What's up, everybody? It's Codus with the Yolt Christian Podcast, and today, my background's a little messed up. Anyway, today I am with Jared. Jared, what is going on? Everything. Spiritual warfare, I'll tell you that. Oh, that's yeah. that's not good, man. What's... It's fine. Oh, that's good. You know, we just read James, yeah. and it talked about enduring, so keep enduring, man. That's right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'd rather be uh, having spiritual warfare, like, problems than not you know what i mean because if mm. i if i'm not then i'm not doing my job you feel me so uh um, yeah and i there's a uh another verse that says that uh if we aren't being disciplined by god then we don't actually have the spirit within us so like we're not actually saved and i think of that like all the time like how often are we being disciplined but yet we're blaming it on on satan just the thought yeah. um i think it happens way more often than we think but uh yeah dude it's been a really interesting uh because you and I, we haven't really talked the last like four or five days, and uh, I feel like it's yeah, been man. a very interesting four or five days for the both of us. Yeah. You want to talk about your side first, or what we've been doing the past four or five days? Um, I'll kind of introduce it, but then you can tell your side first. Um, right. So I, uh, I read through the whole New Testament in one sitting uh, Saturday, and I read it all out loud on TikTok Live, and then I have also begun to read the Quran. So that's my, my intro. Kodis, take it away. Uh, I flew out to Atlanta and then Jacksonville, and then I hung out with Macy Grace for yeah. three days. That was pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Pretty awesome. So did, uh, now, y'all did like a couple Bible studies and stuff together too, didn't you? Yeah, we did. It was pretty cute. We took a picture, you know, like that Pinterest <laughs> stuff you always see. Nice. Um, if you want to see that, check out my Instagram, Codis Rawlings, self plug. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. Like we just did, like we didn't study, like we usually do a Salma, Salma night, but we like completely forgot cause we just did our own study with right. each other and it like, I don't know, it just worked, but we just like sat on the couch upstairs and we just like, she was reading through her, I think she was going through Romans mm-hmm. and, but, and then I was just going through Job and it was just really cool. Just like sit next That's to awesome. her and I was like, she has so many highlighters, so I, like, use some of hers because she's a lot. And I was like, hey, can I borrow your highlight? I don't know. It was just, like, so it was like, dude, I don't know, man. It was, it was it was really awesome, though. Like, it was just, it's, because I usually I sit in my room alone, read my Bible. Right, but right. this time I had company. I don't know. It was sweet, though. I liked it. Yeah, that's good. I will say I always enjoy it whenever, like, my wife and I will, like, when we sit in bed together, like, she does her study and I do mine. It's just, it's just nice. Yeah, it's peaceful. So, it is peaceful. Awesome uh, to have a godly woman, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, so let me ask you a question then. Uh, for all of the uh, the viewers that are, uh, I guess, more so your age than mine, even though we're basically the same age, um, mm. what would you say is a, a piece of advice that you would give that community of uh, teenagers? Uh, of like the dating or just advice in general? I'm thinking more towards like dating uh, in regards to the Bible, um, but whatever you're thinking. So the biggest thing is involve God. Like that's, mm. I can't stress that enough. Like if you don't have God in your relationship, I'm sorry, but that relationship is not going to prosper. Like that relationship is not going to do as well as, as it should be. And I want you, I want people to always know that marriage is not promised in the Bible. Like marriage, it, nowhere in the Bible does it say marriage is promised. So never go into a relationship and be, let's say, and be like, oh, 100% going to get married. God's going to let us get married. 
that, that that I mean I hate saying this, but that could that's not always the case. Maybe that's God's right. letting you be with that person so you can learn something, or you can grow closer to Him. But never go in saying, "Okay, I'm gonna get married, and I'm gonna have kids." Like it, it sounds so mean, but marriage isn't promised. Um, but always try to keep God centered, because like. Right. The moment you don't let God be centered, that is when like temptations could come in, and then once those bad temptations come in, that's when the relationship fails. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jared, you and I can both testify to that. But sin, it, it can creep in in many different ways, and it can creep in like without you even knowing at first. So oh, yeah, if you yeah. put God first in that relationship, I promise you, it is going to be an amazing relationship. Like even when it ends, it'll still be like amazing because God let you go through all that. For a reason, and so yeah. whatever you do, always try to involve God and have boundaries. Mm. I uh, I'll kind of add on to that. I wasn't necessarily planning on sharing my advice, but because uh, I feel like I know nothing about relationships, that the only thing that I do know is it couples along with what you said about boundaries. But I'm going to come back to mm-hmm. that, and then also love. <clears throat> and I've said it before, maybe on the podcast, maybe not, but um. You said that, Codus, uh, and I completely agree, but you said that the uh, having being God-centered, the relationship. Um, yeah. So I, I view it as like a triangle, and if you're watching video, you'll see me with my hands. So we've got yeah. a triangle here. And so at one corner, we've got uh, the husband or the, the boyfriend, and at the bottom of the, or the other corner, we've got the, the spouse or the uh, girlfriend. And so um, at the top of that triangle, though, we have God. And so if we're... Uh, the husband and wife or the boyfriend and girlfriend, mm-hmm. if they're on the bottom of the triangle, if they grow closer towards God individually, they'll grow closer together. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've always kind of used that as a way of understanding how it is that if we place God as a priority, we can grow yeah. together better. Um, and then so on top of that, so we have to choose to love God. And since we're talking about love. Now we've talked about love all the time. I'm not going to redefine it um, with First Corinthians 13. But uh, every aspect of love is a choice. And so I think that mm-hmm. both parties have to wholeheartedly believe that love is a choice. And it's a yeah. choice that both parties are willing to make on a daily basis. If you choose to love and you choose to love God. So ultimately if you choose to love, I think you got it. Uh, whoever yeah. it is, I, I think that you can choose to love anybody. I really do. Um but uh, it helps if you find them attractive, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's – oh, and then boundaries, my last thought. So mm-hmm. um, speaking from experience as knowing what not to do, um, <laughs> what I did is I would set boundaries, and then I would uh, yeah. I would have multiple layers of boundaries, um, but not, not initially. I, I'd set one boundary and then would come up to it, and then uh, I would justify it in some way, form, or fashion, and then we pass mm-hmm. that boundary. And it's like, okay, that's fine, it's fine, whatever, that's fine, we justified it. Now we set the new yeah. boundary. And then when we're at that new boundary, the exact same thing would happen. We'd creep up upon it, and yeah. we'd get to it, we'd begin to try to justify it, and then we'd, try to, then we'd uh, mm-hmm. find a way to get by it, and then we'd justify it again. Then we'd set a new boundary. And then obviously yeah. it would progressively get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. So my advice in regards to boundaries for anybody who's listening is set that first boundary and don't even come mm-hmm. close. See, the, the yeah. Bible says to flee from sexual immorality. Yeah. That's what I struggled with. Um, and so, and one thing too, is like when you're setting those boundaries, pray too, like pray, like for example, if it's just like no holding hands or no being alone in public, pray for your boundaries. Like if you're asking about that, God's going to, God, God isn't a non-talkative God. Like you won't, you may not verbally hear him, but like 
you're gonna like God will speak to you somehow. You're gonna get your message somehow. So when you're setting boundaries or, or or all that stuff, talk to God about it. Like involve God. Like that's a big thing. Involve God in it in a, any way possible. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody. Yeah, and then the last thing is, uh, I guess for me, unless you have something else to say. Nope. Well, the biggest, the last thing I really want to take away is when you're in a relationship in the world you obviously love each other you know it's cool and everything but when christ is in that relationship with you guys and you guys are both walking with christ you guys are praying together you guys are reading your bible together and you you talk about your biblical discoveries you find with each other when when you walk with someone with god that love is just nothing like a worldly love like it is nothing like a relationship you can get from the world. A godly love is just it's 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 so cool. Like that's what I've witnessed cuz I've been in plenty of worldly relationships in my life, but a Christ-centered one, one where I'm super close to God and she's super close to God and we both like talk about our new theories every day and it's just it's such a cool experience and it's just one of the best things you can experience. So, I guess another thing too I I just have other I just have so much to talk about. Yeah, but, yeah, there's so much. But one thing is, don't say, "Oh, I'm in a single of, a, a season of singleness." Like, stop. Like, what? Stop worrying about relationships. Like, if God wants you to be in one, He's going to put you in one. Just trust in God. Like, all like you don't need relationships. You need God. A relationship isn't going to get you in heaven. God is going to get you in heaven. Like Jesus is going to get you in heaven. But anyway, but. Right, right. Stop saying, oh, I need to get in a relationship, or once I get in a relationship, I'm going to do this. Once I get in a relationship, I'm going to do that. Because, no, you should, you should like, say, oh, uh, I'm going to get married, and then I'll fix my sexual lust. No, that's not true at all. That's You can oh, still yeah. lust while into a relationship. So before you get into relationships, why don't you worry about giving that things to God now so you can come into a relationship as a clean person? Like, mm-hmm. don't come into a relationship with a lot of lust. Don't come into a relationship with a lot of pride. Give that stuff to God before you get into a relationship. My buddy, I'm not going to name his name, but he struggles with this because he, like, he really wants to be in a relationship, but he feels like he has so much going on. So I keep telling him, like, dude, just wait. Like, let God take control of that. You just give it to God. Like, I know that's tough. Like, I've been in those shoes. But if God wants it to work, God is going to allow it to happen. So just wait. Like, get as close as you can with God. And, and the closer you get to God, like, it's just the more he's going to give you. Like, I say that loosely, right, right. obviously. But right, right. the biggest thing is don't try to force relationships. Give it to God. And don't go into a relationship with a lot of baggage. Give them to God. Like, I'm telling you. You start walking with God, you start giving God everything, you're going to be a whole different person. Like, it'll change you, and it is just, once you go God, you can't go back, man. Like, once you, like, get a relationship with God, you can't go right. back. Very nice. And, and, yeah, I mean, we could talk about this topic for five oh, hours, probably. Yeah, I mean, just, like, nonstop advice kind of thing. Um, but I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, so, as for the other topics... Um, yeah. I learned a lot when I when I read through the New Testament. And Dude, it was, I, I still can't believe you did that. Is, that is the coolest thing ever. Like you sat down and read the whole entire New Testament. It was uh it was more of a challenge than I that had in my mind. Well honestly, so it was it was interesting because um I knew that the gospels were huge and so mm-hmm. I knew that they would take the majority of my time. And I think I finished I started at seven twenty and I finished the Gospels, I think, like around like one thirty, maybe 2 o'clock. Um, but granted, I took an hour break there. Um, mm. And so because of, of lunch. But uh, 
You know, it's really interesting because I've read majority, almost all of the New Testament prior to this, right? Um, yeah. And it was really interesting because I, I didn't think <laughs> that it would have the effect on me that it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to kind of go through my uh, my thought process. It just got really quiet. Yeah, That's sorry, I had a cough. I had a cough. I didn't want to cough in the mic, so I muted myself. Oh, okay. I, I guess that, we have I that didn't power now. We're cool. Yeah. I didn't realize it, but I hear a bunch of white noise, and I didn't realize until it was muted. My um, No, 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 that's good. Um, so here's here's basically what I, I kind of learned throughout the reading through it. Um, I highly recommend it to literally everybody. Um, maybe not all in one sitting. That's a lot. Uh, if you can't read fast, you I don't think it's possible. Um, like I was like a lot of the times. Like I went through Romans like that because I I'd recently read it, and so it was just like fresh in my mind. Um, and so same with Revelation and Jude. But anyways, um, so I highly recommend it. Split it up into a few days, but I highly recommend uh, a large amount of it in a small period of time. And here's why. Yeah. Because reading through it in, in that way brought it to life in a way that I have never expected before. It really? literally it brought the words so alive, bro. It was insane. Literally, I got emotional while reading Acts. Okay, so... I'll get to that. So I'm reading through the Gospels, and of course, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're all very similar stories because they're the synoptic Gospels. Yeah. They tell the same stories. Um, and so you and I, Codus, you and I both really like Matthew. But I learned that Matthew, uh, after reading through all the Gospels, Matthew is geared towards the Jews. Um, Mark, however, I really, really liked Mark because it was super easy to read. It flowed incredibly well, um, and it was short. It was very, It was a very good synopsis of the story of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to Luke, it's the complete opposite. It's very, it's very, uh, it's written towards the Gentiles, you can tell, because it has so much specific information that it's definitely written for people that know nothing about the gospel. So um, Luke is one, that's one like everyone should be. Maybe, here. maybe. Um, of the synoptic, of the first three books, I would say Mark probably, just because it, it overviews everything really well. Um, if you want to get to studying uh, the specifics, I would suggest Luke. Um, if you're somebody that's very well acquainted, acquainted with the Old Testament, I'd recommend Matthew. Um, so for the Jews, for uh, Islam, I'd recommend Matthew. Um, now, as for... And, you know, I always wondered why they needed multiple Gospels, and I think that is the exact reason. So everybody can hear the Gospel in a way that they understand it. That, but it's also for the reliability of the gospel. That's very true, yeah. Um, because now we think about it in a court case, uh, the more witnesses we have, the more reliable the, the claim that they're mm-hmm. making, right? And so but if you think about it, you've got four people that are, because we've got John too, because he writes the, the fourth gospel, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, they all write their own account uh, of yeah. Jesus' life. And it's interesting because, like, some of them differ on certain things, like the color of a scarf or, like, uh, sorry, of Jesus' hmm. robe. Like, one says purple, one says scarlet. It doesn't really matter because it's what they thought they remember, right? So, yes. um, now, if you study criminal justice, you'll know that as time goes on, the more unreliable the stories become. Um, but keep in mind that uh, the gospel is written, uh, like, 20, 30, 40-something years after uh, they died because – or after Jesus died because um, – they had to, they they didn't speak Greek or if they did speak Greek they didn't know how to write it, um, and so they had to teach themselves Greek, and in fact good Greek too because this is very well uh, written out uh, grammar wise, and so they had to teach themselves that, and then they had to of course they were doing what Jesus commanded them to do go and make disciples so they're very busy 
And so the fact yeah. that they got it out in 20 years is actually pretty remarkable. And, and, and from the historical aspect as well, that's considered a reliable source because uh, historically speaking, that's a very short time frame. Um, so it adds to the his, uh, reliability of the New Testament. Now, as for John of the Gospels, it was definitely, um, he had different takes than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Not different takes like, oh my gosh, it's different, but he had different stories. He had different uh, miracles. Yeah. Uh, he had some of the same miracles, but he, he added some miracles that uh, Jesus did that the other Gospels didn't talk about. Um, and it's, it's definitely really good. And this is why a lot of people recommend John, because it, it's, it's, it does a very good job at summarizing why Jesus came and who Jesus is. And so, like, right out the gate, John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, um, in the beginning was the word, word was with God, and the word was God. And then yeah. in verse 14, it says that Jesus, or sorry, that uh, the word became flesh, and that, that flesh is Jesus. Um, and so we know that Jesus is God right out the gate in Genesis chapter 1, or sorry, uh, John chapter 1. Yeah. And then right after that, it goes into um, Acts. And so this is why it was very interesting, and it got me emotional, because... Um, Going through the Gospels and reading them back to back to back to back, it's interesting because you see the faith, the level of faith that the disciples have in the Gospels. And because, of course, we as Christians, we highlight the Gospels so much, um, a lot of times we don't recognize the faith that all the disciples had after Jesus died. So when we read about their faith, we're, we're like we think of Peter who uh, who didn't have enough faith, and so he ended up drowning, or not drowning, but like sinking in the water. Yeah. Um, yeah. We we think of Matthew seventeen where um, they said, "Jesus, why couldn't we cast out this demon?" He said, "You have little faith." And so we read throughout the Gospels, we see how puny their faith truly was. But then yeah. as soon as the Gospels in, we get into Acts, and we see like. These disciples, they are going, and with full authority and pride in their God, they are casting out demons and healing people and doing all this stuff. And they are, it's, it's like they're completely different. And just mm-hmm. seeing the power of God working through them was just, like, it got me emotional. And why? Yeah. Because, because after, like, reading the Gospels, I felt like I knew them. You know what I mean? Um, and so because it felt like I knew them, it just, it, I just saw the change and how the Holy Spirit was working and how it was moving and how it, uh, how it, I, I began to piece together how it all impacts me and how I can live my life now. And I just thought it was amazing. Um, and then I believe it's Acts chapter 13 where Paul comes into play. Uh, well, Saul, Paul. Anyways, um, his story begins to unfold. And so I've always uh, enjoyed Paul. Um, I've always loved the Pauline epistles and all that fun stuff. Um, and so it was actually interesting because I thought that once Paul came into play, I was going to really, really enjoy it. Um, because I've always loved, like I said, like Romans, uh, Ephesians, all these good books. Um, and the, I actually had a slightly opposite effect. Um, I enjoyed all the other disciples' works better than I enjoyed Paul's. Um, not that it was bad. Like, obviously, Paul is incredibly wise and, and good for a lot of things. Um, but it was really cool seeing his story um, and how he was uh, Saul. He was killing all these, these, these Christians. And, of course, um, this is all in Acts. And then he... Uh, uh, encountered God uh, on the road to Damascus. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, long story short, he ended up converting. And, and uh, anyways, so he talks about that. But it was really cool. One thing I noticed about Paul all throughout the uh, the epistles. So basically, um, way through, uh, not Hebrews. What's the last one? Uh, right before that. Uh, Titus, I think it is. I read that book. Uh, you have or you haven't? Haven't. Yeah, I hadn't either. Uh, it's really short. Uh, it's like three or five chapters, something like that. Um, but uh, 
all throughout his his epistles, his letters, he uh, whenever he was getting imprisoned, he would play the "I'm a Roman" card because he was, and because yeah. he was a Roman, and uh, Rome was in like in charge of the area at the time, people mm-hmm. would immediately be like, "Oh my gosh, he's a Roman. He's a natural-born citizen of Rome. We can't touch him." And so he would use that to his advantage so that he could leave prison and go and continue to spread God's word. So they so weren't so, allowed to arrest Romans? Uh, they could arrest them, but they had to be tried by Roman court, and then they uh, um, they couldn't harm a Roman citizen. So they could, like, yeah. Um, they So That's basically, crazy. yeah, because they, they feared Rome so much, they'd just let him go, um, essentially. Um, so, and rightfully so. And one time he even appealed to Caesar. He says, I need, I need, I need, uh, he says, I appeal to Caesar. And it's like right before, like, they're like, they're trying to kill the man. He's like, yeah. uh-uh. He's like, uh-uh, this ain't happening. I'm a Roman citizen. I appeal to Caesar. And so they had to get Caesar involved, um, and all that fun stuff. It's really cool. It's crazy. Um, yeah. And so, uh, it was really interesting. So, uh, okay. So we finished Acts. That kind of tells the story of the church, the history of the church. Um, and then it goes into Romans, and of course we read Romans, we talked about Romans, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to summarize all of the Pauline epistles because that's how the New Testament is structured. It, it, it lists out Paul's epistles, and mm-hmm. all of his uh, epistles are, I'm going to summarize with this, we are no longer bound by the Old Covenant because Jesus fulfilled the purpose of the Old Covenant, and because Jesus fulfilled the purpose of the Old Covenant, we now have a new covenant. That new covenant is to love others, and that's as simple as that. That's it, to love. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, and so because that is our new uh, commandment, uh, he says, let's use it wisely. He says, uh, so he went to some places and he would um, uh, follow certain aspects of the law. And then in some places, if it was more of a Gentile region, he would just abandon, like he uh, when I forget if it was a Jew or Gentile area, but he shaved his head so that he could fit into the culture there. Um, like really? that's what, that's what he did was he adapted to the culture so that he could best spread the gospel because if he didn't adapt to the culture, then they wouldn't have accepted him. That's so that's smart. what he did. And yeah. And he does it all throughout the epistles, um, in different ways for different regions. And then, um, so basically all the Pauline epistles is, uh, Paul reaching out to these churches that he's already established, um, and is saying, look, I've already been by there. I want to, uh, Check in on you, see how you're doing. He says, I know that you're doing this. You should be doing this instead. I know that you're doing this. You're doing that really well. Good job. And so that's mm-hmm. what the epistles are. Um, and obviously there's a lot of raw good truth in a lot of those epistles, um, not only about the covenants and how we're under the new covenant, the grace covenant, the love covenant, um, and not under the Old Testament law anymore in terms of what we're bound by. Um, but it's a, it's a ton of raw truth. But I, I, I was excited for it because I knew that those chapters were short. Um, and so I knew that as soon as I finished, uh, acts that I was just going to breeze through the rest of the new Testament. Um, and this is what it felt like. And so then after the Pauline epistles, you get to, uh, Hebrews, which we don't necessarily know who wrote it. Some people say it's, it's Paul. I believe it's Priscilla. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Hebrews is the last really book that talks about the law. Um, and it, it basically says that the law, the old law is obsolete is that's the exact word. My translation said is that it's now obsolete. Um, and so when we look at that, when we look at the context of every Pauline epistle, we look at everything throughout the New Testament at this point, which, by the way, Jesus even confirmed that the, the old law was going to be fulfilled and that uh, some of it we don't even need to follow anymore, um, which that's a, a conversation for another day. Um, but uh, so 
Where was I going with that? Oh, right. So in regards to the, the, what's the purpose of the Old Testament then if it's obsolete now, according to Hebrews? Well, the purpose is this. Uh, in uh, Timothy, it's either first or second. I think it's Second Timothy chapter 3. It's chapter, chapter 3 of one of the Timothys. It says, verse 16, it says that all scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, um, and rebuking, uh, and stuff like that. And so when we look at the Old Testament, it's useful for that. It is scripture. So just because it is uh, obsolete in terms of binding us in our sin, it does not mean that we don't read it. It does not mean that we, sh- uh, we don't do anything with it. Instead, mm-hmm. it's a good way to learn more about God, learn what he wants, what, what he likes. Um, and it's useful for every aspect of what the New Testament is. Uh, it's just that we're no longer bound by it. Um, so we don't have to you know, feel guilty whenever we, we break it because yeah. Jesus, has, Jesus has fulfilled that. Um, and so... And then it, this is where it begins to shift in New Testament, and I thought this was really cool. So uh, in James, uh, basically through John, it talks about works, kind of, and like how we should be living uh, as opposed to like how people are living and that we need to improve. Uh, James chapter 2, it's a classic, faith without works is dead. I will show you my faith by my, wor- my works, as verse 18 or 19 says. And then in First John chapter 3, it talks about how, um, well, really all throughout first john it talks about um sin and how you know uh what you know like how we should maneuver with sin and talks about like the different natures and stuff like that similar to how paul does but then it says in first john chapter three it says uh our actions show that we belong to the truth and so again it's it's referring to how we should act as christians and then it goes into uh the peter and he kind of uh, reflects the same thing but he's also kind of summarizing paul because he talks about paul a little bit in this first and second peter um, and so Peter is a very good recap of the, the law, uh, whether we should follow it as well as the, uh, how we should act. It's like a perfect encompassment of those two types of the, the genres in the New Testament. And then we get, the, uh, and as well as, uh, so first John, as well as the Peters then also talks about end times and warnings and, uh, antichrists. And then Jude, which is the second to last book also talks about antichrist. And then that's a very short one, isn't it Jude? Yeah, it's, it's a chapter. Um, and then Revelation uh, talks about it, of course. That's the last book. It's I mean, that was fun. I, don't you like Revelations? Isn't that like... I didn't understand a thing I read, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I've, okay, so yeah. for like about a year and a half, I've been trying to like read it every day. Uh, not every day, like every Bible study, I guess. And mm-hmm. every time I read it, I'm just like, I this is hard. Like This is so yeah. confusing. And then I just forget to go and read it or it's just like, ah, this is too tough. I'm going to read something else. Right. So this is what I told people on the live is at the very end of Revelation, it tells us the importance of knowing the words of the book. Right. And I read that in the previous podcast. Um, And so it's important to know the words contained within the book of Revelation, not the interpretations, possible interpretations of Revelation. Because here's the issue is when we begin to focus on, oh, it could mean this, it could mean this, it could mean this. We begin to focus on that and we begin to memorize the interpretation rather than the word. So if we remember the interpretation, then that means that if if it's wrong, then we don't know what's going on. And so as uh, John, the author of Revelation, tells us, he says, remember the words of this um, because that's what's important. And so um, a lot of Revelation we obviously can't understand. And so – Really cool, really interesting. I actually really enjoyed it. So if you're reading through Revelation, focus on knowing the word and not the interpretation. Um, just a, a, a note there to remember. Um, and so that was the biggest event of my weekend. Uh, secondarily, I began reading the Quran. Um, so here's why. 
So, bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. yeah, so here's why I began reading the Quran. Um, so statistically speaking, by the year 2050, Christianity will no longer be the world's leading religion in terms of population. Percentage. It doesn't even feel like it is anymore, to be honest. Right. And uh, so instead, is Islam will be the world's uh, leading religion, according to PewResearch.com. And so, which is a very uh, reliable polling source. Anyways. So because knowing that Islam is on the rise, and I've, in fact, I've seen it, like Islam over the last It's everywhere. It's everywhere now. And so the thing is, nobody hates on Islamic, but when it comes to Christian, <laughs> oh, you guys are so evil. I don't believe in hell, but you're going to hell. Right, right. And it's, it's all, it's, of course, it's because of uh, people just wrongfully speaking about the Bible. Um, yeah. Anyways. So um, I began to read it because I want to study the enemy. The Bible says to be lovers of truth. And, of course, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, and as somebody who is a lover of truth, I feel like I would be doing an injustice to the truth if I didn't know the beliefs of those who oppose Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so my goal with reading the Quran is to learn and study uh, Islam so that not only can I refute it better, but also so that I can understand them better and I can have better conversation. Because here's the deal. is like whenever you have conversation with people of differing beliefs, um, if you don't understand the belief system of the other person, you're yeah. not going to get anywhere. And so that's my goal with reading the Quran. And it's actually been very interesting. Um, in the last podcast, I talked about um, the Harut and Marut, the, the angels that caused uh, temptation. Yeah. And, uh, according to Islam, not Christianity. And then... Uh, which is also this is this is what I found that to be among the most interesting. I've quite a few good points that I've asked on my TikTok. Um, I I have a community of, of Muslims I'm talking to on a daily basis, and that's kind of cool. Um, but uh, their God. Okay, let me rewind. So I've debated quite a few Muslims uh, over the years, and they always try to attack the Trinity. And this is where it's interesting because their God Allah refers to himself as we. So. Which means their God, um, and I'll, I'll clarify their position in a minute, but that means that their God is referring to himself plurally. You know who else refers to himself plurally? Our God, who is triune in nature, the Christian God. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting because they attack the Trinity, but yet their God refers to himself as we. But they say he is one single God, um, which I can understand if they believe in the Trinity, but they don't believe in the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And so um, now here's their their reasoning for this, and this is it's, it's an absolutely awful um belief but this is what they believe about it they believe that allah is saying we as a they call it the royal we um and so the royal we the royal we and so what that means is is they think that because he is so high in deity allah is that he calls himself we uh as like a as like a it's like a deity term almost and so it's interesting because obviously we means like so somebody gave me an example of this um so uh say codis i'm talking about you and this is what a muslim uh, apologist told me he said if i'm talking about you codis um and i'm talking about you to somebody else i would say uh, say i'm talking about how you ate uh, ranch with spaghetti i would be like yeah they ate ranch with spaghetti and so that's what his explanation was but we is never used in that context. We is only inclusive if I am among those who I'm talking yeah. about. And so that's why it's such a bad argument because – and that's the only explanation that they had for the we is that, oh, it's a royal we. It makes no sense to me. Anyways, um, 
I've already compiled. So here's here's what I'm doing, by the way. I'm reading through the Quran, and I'm I'm not just reading it. I'm studying it. And so as I'm studying it, I'm asking every single possible question I can ask, and then I'm posting these on TikTok to see what the Muslim community uh, responds with the answer for is. And not all of it is like deep theology. Sometimes it's very basic, like, hey, what is the day of resurrection, that sort of thing, which is just basically when they go to heaven, um, or the garden, or the hereafter, as they call it. Um, and so my goal is to get their responses and at the end of it all what i'm going to do is i'm going to re uh i'm going to analyze the questions i'm going to uh, i'm already putting in the answers that they give me to each question uh, in my notes and then finally at the end of it i'm going to write an analysis of it all and then i'm going to compile this analysis and at the very end i'm going to dismantle islam in my paper You're gonna write uh, a book case for the quran <laughs> the case against quran <laughs> Um, heck, honestly, I might, um, you gotta finish your first book first. Right, right. That's, that's the goal. Um, I'm halfway there, so there's that, but so that's what I'm doing. That's why I'm reading it. I've, I've encountered a lot of interesting stuff. Like for example, Allah, um, after, cause they, so it's interesting because it's an Abrahamic religion, which means that they believe in, uh, Abraham as their ancestor. So they have a lot of the same stories that the Bible mm -hmm. does. So because of that, I don't recommend that a lot of Christians read it, um, I only recommend that the Christians that uh, want to be an apologist read it, as yeah. well as um, Christians that are firm in their faith and know their Bible really well, um, because it could be confusing. Uh, it, yeah, that's, it, you can that's mix what we talked about last podcast. Like I probably right. won't do what you're doing because I'm not right. the brightest. <laughs> I'd get be like, "Oh, did the Bible, the Quran say this?" You know. Right, right, and and that's understandable, and um, and and I've I've found myself. Um, thinking the same thing. So I've been very cautious to make sure. So I have a partially photographic memory. And so what I'm doing is, is I'm changing the scenery every time I read. So like when I read my Bible, I'll be in my office. But when I read uh, the Quran, I'll be in my room. And so that way I can remember the scene that I'm in. And then I'll, anyways, um, I think everybody has a partially photographic memory. Mine's not like insane or anything. It's just like very, very partial. Um, but anyways, so uh, there's a lot more to it. I could talk for yeah. another hour about the, the the things I'm learning in the Quran, um, but that'll be for the analysis, and I'm sure we'll have a podcast analysis. I think that's what we'll do um, once I fun. go through it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But that's it for me. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's kind of like the the update on us. It's not really an update, but not only did you get relationship advice, but you got to learn about the the structure of the New Testament. Yeah. You got to learn about what each section of the New Testament is, why it was that way. And ultimately, here's the goal of the entire Bible. It is a love story for you and me. God loves us so much that he knew in advance. He knew our sins. Yet while we're so sinners, he died for us, right? And so because he knew that we were going to be sinners, he allowed himself, of course, Jesus, to die on the cross. Uh, and that was his plan from the beginning of time so that we could be saved. And because of that love for us, that is why uh, Christians want to share the gospel so much. Is because we felt that love and we want to share that love. Um, because it's an unreal love. It's something like none other. And it's something that not even uh, Muslims can attest to because their Allah would not ever sacrifice himself for them. And that is a love that I want. That is a God I want to Hold worship. Out. God, yeah, that is a God I want to worship as a God who can love no better than to lay down his, his own life for a friend. And mm -hmm. that is what Jesus did for us. So if you want to, if, if you're intrigued in, in Jesus and you want to learn more about Jesus, you can speaking in tongues here. Yeah. You can message uh, here we us go. on Instagram. <laughs> Message us on Instagram, uh, or you can always, uh, you know, reach out to us in some way, form, or fashion. 
But uh, if you are interested or maybe you want to turn to Jesus because you recognize his love for you, Codus has a prayer for you. Oh, I do. I do. I just wasn't. Uh, yeah. So repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me and come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Now please help me to live the rest of this life for you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I love you. Jared loves you. I think Luke loves y'all. And then God loves you. With that being said, Jared. Godspeed.